1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is always, always, always a pleasure to be with the two of the people who make life so much better for many of our families because they're out to protect us and to really make sure that whatever we work very hard for in life is protected in a great way. Ray Lance. Good morning, my friend, and USA Wealth Group and MoneyWise. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise. Thank you for listening every Sunday morning. We really appreciate your kind attention, and our mission is very simple. We want to show you how to protect your family and how to protect your money. So that's what we're talking about today. And today we have a very special topic. It's called Special Planning for Special Kids. And we've done this show in the past before, but... We think it's so very important because we all have issues, we all have problems in life, but one of the things that is really most important for us as a society to do is to make sure that if there are children in your family or some relative that you know that needs special help, gosh, there's nothing more important than having special help to take care of children. And I love children. And I know, Phil, you love children also. Immensely. And we're blessed to have children. Yes, we are indeed. So I'd like to begin by, first of all, welcoming Tenny Lance, Attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning, everyone. And we're going to talk about some of the things that you do in your office for children with special needs, as an example. We're also going to be talking about some upcoming seminars that you're going to be doing shortly, uh, partially to help celebrate Valentine's Day. And... Um, but our topic today, as I said, is special planning for special kids. And I'm sure that everybody listening today knows somebody who's in this category. And I'd like to begin by introducing our two very special guests that we have today, uh, Beatriz Oliveira. And uh, good morning, Beatrice, first of all. Good morning. Thank you for having us on the air. And Beatrice is the development manager for Meeting Street, the Schwartz Center. And the Schwartz Center has a fairly new facility in Dartmouth. We have been in the Dartmouth facility since 2006, uh, thanks to the generosity of a neighbor of ours, uh, Cy Goldstein. Uh, and uh, we are have a new partnership with Meeting Street in Providence, Rhode Island. That came about in 2014. And we're going to talk about that a lot. And we also have, us, have with us this morning uh, Sharon, Sharon Theralt. Is that the correct spelling pronunciation? Terralt. Okay. And good morning. Terralt. Sharon Terralt. And Sharon, you have a long history in education, don't you? I do. I do. And uh, a long history with Meeting Street. And so I'm really happy um, to be, in Pro- um, be coming from Providence to the New Bedford area to uh, begin a whole new adventure. And we'll talk about that. Good. And what is your actual position with Meeting Street right I now? I am the director of the Early Head Start program. Okay. Well, we've got lots and lots to talk about. This is one of those topics, uh, ladies and gentlemen, where we have so much to discuss and so little time. So we're going to jump right into it. And I'd like to begin by just reminding you that you're listening to MoneyWise, which is brought to you by USA Wealth Group every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. And our office is located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Uh, You can usually recognize the office on the left-hand side of the street by looking at the American flag and the Marine Corps flag 
directly below it, almost across the street from Vanity Fair uh, Shopping Center. So welcome. If you'd like to reach us, by the way, give us a call at 508-998-8858. So I'm going to jump right in and talk to you first, Beatrice, and ask you, I know you're development manager for Meeting Street, and I know, as you've mentioned, that your collaboration with Meeting Street began about two years ago. That's correct. And prior to that, you were the Schwartz Center, but then the Schwartz Center has decided to uh, work in cooperation with Meeting Street. So explain that to us. Tell us how that works exactly. Well, both organizations actually have a, a deep, rich history that is very parallel. Uh, Meeting Street in Providence was actually founded in 1946 by an educator and a physician, and the Short Center in Dartmouth was founded in 1947. So we're 70-plus uh, years uh, each uh, organization, and uh, we provide very similar services. You know, there's there's strength when uh, two or strong organizations do unite. There's uh, a, a greater strength, and together we are certainly a stronger organization, uh, able to provide more services than we have in the past. We've added new programs. Um, Sharon is sitting here with me because of Meeting Street uh, partnership. We are able to add that program this year, and that's just one of many that we've been able to, to add to help uh, families in our community. And I know when the Schwartz Center was first formed, you said 1947, which is amazing. Uh, there was a lady named uh, Raposa, I think. Agnes Raposa. She was the mom, the champion behind the, meeting, uh, the Schwartz Center being founded. And why was she the founder of it? Why was she the originator of this? She was, uh, her sixth child was born with cerebral palsy, and there were no services for her child in this area. She had to take them all the way to Boston. So she was determined to establish services, uh, primarily rehabilitation services for her child, and then it grew into an educational program, and now we offer a variety of programs for children with special needs. So it's really quite an amazing program that you have. We're going to talk about many of the uh, possibilities for people who have children with disabilities. It could be cerebral palsy. It could be autism. It could be all kinds of issues, right? A wide spectrum. It could be uh, something as simple as your child is not talking at the age-appropriate level, not crawling at the age-appropriate level, not reaching the milestones that they should in their growth. And uh, it could be a parent that identifies that their child is not walking or talking like Susie next door, and they can have the child come to our school to be evaluated. And sometimes they only need our services for a very short while, and then they're off to public schools and thriving. And other times they need more in-depth conversation. Uh, comprehensive services. And so your your location right now, your address is based upon the name of your founder, isn't it? That's correct. So we are one Poza place. Affectionately, uh, Agnes Raposa was known as Poza. So she was called Poza, and now you're located at one Poza place. Well, that's just a wonderful connection, isn't it? I, I think we feel her presence every day at our school. I would think so. Um, you know, even in my own family, I have a niece who has a, a son I'm not sure how old he is right now. I'd say he's probably around 19 or 20, would yes. you say, Tenny? Yes, he's 19. And at the time he was born, uh, there were issues connected with his birth. And I'm not sure if he was injured during the birth process. There was some possibility that he might have been injured with forceps or whatever. But uh, he doesn't hear. Uh, he's had a long period of going through special needs programs in the school that he belongs to in central Massachusetts. Uh, he has a cochlear implant, which is in the back of his head near his ear, which allows outside sound to be transmitted to his, uh, his, the nerves that control his ear and so forth. And 
he's really a brilliant young man, but he's not verbal. Uh, and for many, many years, he had great difficulty, but he's also been in special needs his entire history. And the, technolo the technological advances um, have been incredible, uh, and that's really our job is inside every child there is a need to communicate. There yes. is an, an innate intelligence, and our job is to figure out a way to give that child a voice if they're nonverbal. How do we get them to communicate and express their needs and wants? Um, there's some incredible um, breakthroughs this year alone. We, we have a new um, technology that allows us to give or assign a very unique voice to a child that's using uh, an electronic device like a Toby eye gaze. Uh, that's uh, a device that allows a child to look at an item on a screen pre-programmed and to communicate what they want. You know, I'm tired, I'm hungry, and that sort of thing. Um, right now, the voice is very robotic. You walk into a classroom and they all sound the same. Uh, what th that technology allows us to do is to, to uh, measure the vocal cords of the, um, the families, uh, take voice samples of the family members, and also measure the vibrations of the child's um, vocal cords, if they make any sound at all, and produce a very unique voice for that child. So can you imagine a parent hearing their child say, I love you for the first time? I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine it. You know, one of the things that we do in the show, uh, Beatrice and Sharon, is that we talk a lot about different quotations. So we've got a lot of good quotations I'm going to share today, but the not necessarily funny quotations because this is a very serious subject, isn't it? Yes, indeed. So you've probably heard of the actress uh, Laura Linney, and I'm not sure if she has somebody with disabilities in her family, which I suspect, but she said, working with special needs children is hard. That's one of the quotations from her. And also a lady named Helen Robinson Pete said, as a mom, you worry about protecting your kid, but there are extra added layers of fears when you're talking about a kid with autism or who has some special needs issues, it's a tough, tough thing to do. If you think about how hard it is to raise a child in general, ladies and gentlemen, now add on top of that the layer of problems that you have with somebody who has special needs, it's really hard work, isn't it? It is. I, I actually wear a couple of hats, and um, one of them is as a, a mom of a, an adult um, child with um, with disabilities uh, my my middle son has autism mm -hmm. and so you know my family we've grown up um, with a very different <laughs> with a very different approach to um, the way we see you know other friends and family um, raising their their children and so it there are other layers but there are also so many different rewards that mm -hmm. um, that we see every day um, not only in in my son with special needs but also his brothers Sure. Right. The whole family is engaged. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we know um, close to home ourselves, our daughter has a son who is uh, limitedly special needs. He did not speak, as you said, Beatrice, until he was uh, well over three. Uh, and so he's been enrolled in a, he doesn't live down here, he's enrolled in a special needs class and has been going to school since he was about three up where they live. And now you can't stop him talking, but he still has some other issues that, that need to be worked on. Mm -hmm. But he's very bright and he's very smart, and many of the kids with special needs issues are, aren't they? They just have to be treated differently and handled differently and educated differently right. and you so forth. Right, you have to think a little bit differently about how you're going to uh, approach um, 
your parenting. Um, and so to give you an example, um, you know, lots of times we'll, we'll, we may, especially if we're, we're saying, no, you can't have that. Well, that might cause a trigger with a child with mm -hmm. autism. So you have to always be thinking, okay, how can I flip that to a positive in order to make this transaction go smoothly? So you may say, hey, how about we do this instead? So you're, you're, you constantly have to be on your game and, and, sure. and thinking <laughs> and working with therapists to provide you with um, different strategies mm -hmm. in order to um, address the, the struggles and challenges um, that the person has with communication. I don't think I've ever told anyone on the air. I didn't speak until I was three. And look it, I make my living now yapping. They, you they do. can't stop me from talking. Oh, it is well, thank you, for, uh, thank you for sharing that, Phil. You know, the same thing has been said about me in many ways because I grew up as a very shy kid. I was extremely shy all the way through high school. And now just ask my family. They can't stop me from talking. <laughs> And that's, that's the incredible part about uh, the services we provide. Um, on top of uh, the rehabilitation programs we offer, early intervention, our full uh, year-round school, we also provide services to the schools, the public and charter schools, on a consulting basis. So if there is a child that's been identified uh, to have some sort of learning difficulty or often deemed a behavioral problem, they're likely having some form of learning disability. So if we can identify what that is, whether you know they're not hearing, um, you know, perhaps it is a hearing issue, perhaps there's a, a vision issue, but often it's a sensory issue. And if we can just figure out a way to teach uh, the, the educators how to approach that child in order to teach them how to teach that child, that child is going to be much more um, successful in life. That's what my daughter uh, says. She has been trained to not necessarily say no to Robbie, but to say, well, what about these other alternatives? Could we, exactly. could we approach it this way? Exactly. And I think, um, you know, you have to look at behavior and know that, you know, keep in mind that there's a reason behind behavior. So rather than just approaching it as, oh, this is something I have to fix, we have to think about, you know, looking at it, well, what's causing this? At what times of day is this happening? Um, how are we responding to it? And really have the discussions about real solid strategies for addressing um, whatever those, those challenges are. Because if you can't speak, it's going to come out in the form of a behavior. Mm -hmm. So it's important, I think, to, to really have these experts in your life in order to um, help families well, we're talking this morning, ladies and gentlemen, about special planning for special kids, and we do need to get into some specifics as well. Um, what's interesting, though, is how many people that you know, or yourselves included, are touched by somebody in your own family or one of your own relatives who may have special needs issues and special problems. I want to give you one more quotation, and then I'll jump off quotations, but this I thought was relevant. And it leads up to a question that I want to ask for uh, Sharon and Beatrice. This is from a lady named uh, Elena Del Don. It is expensive to raise a child with special needs, which people don't even think about. Emotionally, it can be a struggle, but financially, it's really rough. So would you agree with that statement? Do you think it's more expensive to raise a child with special needs problems? 
Yes. Um, sometimes there are services that you want to pursue um, that aren't recognized or covered um, by insurance. There are, there's also, on the other side, you know, help available um, through certain waivers um, so that, you know, children can become eligible for, for Medicaid. Um, you know, maybe the family makes too much for the child to get um, full Medicaid assistance, but, you know, the private insurance isn't going to cover everything. So um, there are special waivers that families can apply for. Um, you know, but when, when you're seeing lots of different doctors and, and more than the typical kid, you are sometimes dealing with, with co-pays and, mm -hmm. or sometimes out-of-pocket therapy services for services right. that not, might not be covered. Even when you even think about simple equipment, um, an adapted bicycle. If you go out and buy a bike for your kid, you're going to spend, you know, maybe a hundred bucks. If you want to buy an adapted bicycle for um, your special needs child, um, you're talking about a couple of thousand dollars. Wow. So that's a um, good example. It, it is, and and you know, just because it has, you know, a different seat and maybe some supports for the child's feet. Um, so, you know, even the recreational pieces of it, you know, for a family, um, it can become a real hardship. Well, I think the good news is that, first of all, in Massachusetts, as a state, we have a lot of programs that are available. And we're going to talk a little bit about charter schools. But we have organizations like Meeting Street and the Schwartz Center that provide tremendous services for people who have these kinds of needs. And I'm going to apologize to you because I'm not going to take the time to go into all the details of your backgrounds, uh, both uh, uh, Beatrice Oliveira and Sharon Terrault. But I do want to say, ladies and gentlemen, that these two ladies have incredible experience and incredible background and education in working with special children. So I'm going to skip over that part of it, not to slight you, but we have so many things to talk about. So I know, for example, that the Schwartz Center just had a major fundraiser. How did you do with your fundraiser that you just had? We just had our 41st telethon, and uh, we reached the goal. We surpassed what we raised last year, just a little bit over a million dollars. So it was uh, incredibly successful, and we thank everyone that uh, contributed. That's amazing. And... If somebody still would like to contribute to the Schwartz Center, can they still do that? Absolutely. And a uh, million dollars may seem like a lot, but it's a drop in the bucket of everything that uh, we need to, to fund. Sure. What's and your approximate annual budget? Uh, I'm going to have to get back to you on that okay. one. I apologize for not being ready <laughs> right. with that number. Uh, but we do have uh, campuses that are uh, leased, so we have a mortgage on both uh, campuses. Okay. And we have um, a very, very quickly running out of room. In fact, we've run out of room at the Dartmouth campus. Wow. So we're looking at uh, expanding uh, the facility there. We've moved our early intervention program into New Bedford uh, to be on a bus line so that um, it's accessible to our families via public transportation. Uh, so there's a, a, the lease involved with having that building as well. But on top of that, not all services for our children, not all equipment is covered by insurances or reimbursable, sure. such as the bike that um, Sharon was uh, speaking about uh, just now. S our therapies for our children, everyday physical therapy, they need this kind of equipment, and it's not covered by insurances. So we do need to um, purchase things like that, provide a library for our children. We don't have one in Dartmouth, so we're in the process of building one. and uh, Or... I should say, getting the funds to build one. And uh, we'd also like to have a true gem for our, our students. So. Okay, so let me ask you, if somebody's interested in learning more about your organization, 
Um, I know you've got a website, uh, which is called www.meetingstreet.org, M-E-E-T-I-N-G, street.org. Um, but they could also call you, right? What number could they call you at? Absolutely. My direct line is 508-742-6425. Again, that's 508-742-6425. And one of my favorite things to do is actually give tours. So give me a call, and I'll take you through and show you what we do there. That was going to be my next question. If somebody is interested to go and find out what you do, or maybe they even have a group. Maybe it's a local group um, Rotary, for example. I know you're involved in Rotary, too, aren't you? I am. A, I'm a Rotarian, a proud one. Uh, we would love to have corporate groups come through. Um, any six or so is usually a good number to come through our facility. We are uh, relatively small over in Dartmouth. I'm also happy to take you all to Providence and give you a tour of that very impressive facility. It's uh, pretty state-of-the-art, but again, we're running out of room there, too. The need in the community for our services is so great that uh, we are uh, quickly reaching capacity there as well. So you are interested to visit. Um, now I have to ask you one more question about, I know the address, which is one Poza place. Um, you're near UMass Dartmouth, aren't you? We are uh, just before the Chase Road and Old Westport Road split if you're heading towards uh, UMass Dartmouth. So we're right off of uh, Route 6. It's the Fonz Connor Road exit off of 195. Uh, very easy access and again, be more than happy to give anyone a tour and uh, tell you all about what we do there. Good. I'd like to ask a question for Attorney Tenny Lance as we talk about children with special needs and so forth. Tenny, you do primarily estate planning and you do a lot of Medicaid planning and helping people uh, protect assets and things of that nature. Um, if somebody wanted to make a, a gift or bequest to the Schwartz Center, for example, could they do that in your documents? In their oh, plan. absolutely. Um, that would be a gift after death, which is um, certainly welcome, I'm sure, by the Schwartz Center. But uh, our documents have uh, a variety of opportunities for people to uh, identify and leave bequests um, so that upon their death, the Schwartz Center would be a recipient of part or all of their estate. So let me ask a question, because if you have children, by definition, they're minors. Uh, let's say they're under the age of 18. They're not an adult yet. Um, how do you have legal documents that might protect them? I guess, first of all, is it fair to say that a parent is a natural legal guardian for a child? Yes, um, but it's very important that the parent name guardians and conservators in case something should happen to them. To the parent, you mean? To yeah. the parent, right. And uh, that can be done only through a will. And so it's uh, very, very important that everyone who might have a special needs child have their will prepared, executed, and um, up to date. So in the will is, where, is the document where you name guardians, for example, but you also do a lot of work with trust. So you don't name guardians in the trust. You name guardians in the will, and then the trust is used primarily for handling financial assets? Yes. Um, the, the will is a document that needs to be presented to the court. And so there is um, the, the need to name the guardian, which is the person who would take care of the child's body, and conservator, the person or persons who would take care of the child's property. And that is done in the will. 
So even if you did a trust because you have assets, say, more than two or $300,000 to do a trust, you still need to do a will because that's the document where you're going to name guardians to take care of somebody who's underage or somebody who might have disabilities. That's correct. Okay. This, I think that's a very important distinction. People ought to know that. And do you have uh, brochures and information you could give to people if they needed something like that? We do through our organization, which is called the American Academy of Estate Planning Attorneys. We have uh, brochures that provide a lot of good information to people. One of them is called the Special Child Need Needs Special Planning. Okay, let me um, just interrupt you for one second because I want to ask you one other question. We're going to be taking a break in just a moment, but you're also doing some seminars uh, coming up soon. Will you be talking about some of these topics, right? Everything from estate planning and wills to other documents. When are those seminars that you're doing? We will be talking about all of those things. Our seminars are upcoming on Saturday morning, February 11th at 10 o'clock at our office on Fonts Corner Road. And then again on Thursday, February 16th, there are two opportunities, one at 2 in the afternoon and one at 6.30 in the evening. Um, so there are three different times when people might want to come and learn about what's a will, what's a trust, and what do they do, and how can we make sure that we leave our property to those that uh, really need it and we want to have receive it. And what number should they call if they want to make a reservation? They should call our office at 508-998-8800. We're going to come right back in just a moment after a short break, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to talk about some of the specific kinds of things that you do at the Schwartz Center. We talked about what a wonderful place it is, but now we need to know what kinds of programs do you have and what do you do. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back and talk about special kids and special problems. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. Thank you for staying tuned with us because we've got so much to talk to you about the Schwartz Center and Meeting Street, and we're thrilled to have with us this morning attorney Tenny Lance, who can mention a few other things about how do you take care of children that may be you're not thinking about so much right now. You're taking care of their special needs issues, but what happens when you're gone? And we're also talking with Beatrice Oliveira, and Sharon Terralt, excuse me, Terralt, uh, from Meeting Street and the Schwartz Center. So welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So I'd like to ask you, um, first of all, Beatrice, what do you do in your capacity as development director? I tell our stories. That's oh, essentially okay. what I do. I uh, really educate people about what we do at the Schwartz Center in order uh, to um, let them know what our needs are. Uh, primarily, my function is to raise money for the Schwartz Center to cover the gap between what we uh, spend on direct services and uh, what we, what our um, money, what the money is that comes in through insurances and other funding um, models. So, what are your primary funding sources? Do you get money from the state first of all? Uh, we do, and insurance reimbursement as well. So money from the state, money from insurance, but you also require quite heavily on private donations, don't you? 
correct. Uh, for example, I want to mention the school program. We can only adjust our rates every six years. So although wow. we get uh, we get the reimbursement from each town that sends a child to our school, mm-hmm. it never fully covers the full cost of uh, service provision or educating that child. All right. So you just mentioned something really interesting. So you don't serve just children from Dartmouth. You take in children from other towns from and cities? From Marlboro to Wareham. We have a very, very wide range of... Uh, wow, I didn't realize that. Yes. Do you have a special bequest program? Like, do you have bequest materials that if somebody wants to leave a donation to the Schwartz Center... And if you I would be happy, more than happy, to meet with anyone that is interested in uh, leaving something in their will okay. uh, to the Schwartz Center. And again, my number is 508-742-6425. I'll come out and meet with you and give you any material that you need. Or better yet, you could come to the Schwartz Center, take a tour, meet our staff, meet our children, and decide for yourself if that's where you want to leave your money. You know, if you want to do something worthwhile in your own will or your own trust, your own estate plan, um, what better place to give some of your money, make a donation, than an organization that's going to help take care of kids? With a, a very uh, long history of providing the services, incredible reputation, mm-hmm. and uh, incredible people that support it. No, it's an organization with great integrity and, and a great history, as you said. And uh, Tenny, I know you've done a lot of work over the years, uh, Attorney Tenny Lance, helping people. Um, not only do their estate plans, but make provisions for charities. So one of the charities, if you can get us more brochure information and so forth on Meeting Street and the Short Center, we can keep that in the office, right, Tenny? And then if somebody's interested, they could name them as uh, a beneficiary in their estate plan. I'll be happy to do that. Thank you. And absolutely, we'd be happy to have it there because people... Um, sometimes come into the office and they don't have children, they don't have close relatives, um, and they really don't know where they want to leave their estate. And often these folks have a sizable estate because they haven't spent it on anybody over the years. So we'd be happy to have that material available. And Sharon, I'd like to come back to you for a minute and ask you about what are some of the kinds of educational programs that are provided both at Meeting Street and at the Schwartz Center? So um, one of our Birth to Three programs is the Early Intervention Program, which services um, children and families from, um, uh, there isn't an income eligibility, but there are um, there is an eligibility criteria um, based on um, the child's development. So for example, there are children who are born um, with a condition that is known to result in a delay that would be considered a single established condition. Um, There are children who um, have developmental delays in one or more area of development and um, therefore, and we're not sure why, so therefore they would be eligible for services. Um, And there are children with multiple established conditions and so there could be a combination of things. Baby may have been low birth weight, mom might be um, a teen mom. So, you know, taking the different um, criteria for multiple established conditions that may make a child eligible because they're at risk for a delay because of their their environment. And so early intervention so is mostly from newborn all the way up to age three? Up to age three. And then at age three is when a school um, would would then begin to provide services. Um, And with early intervention, children um, are uh, evaluated. We look at um, the um, 
the needs that the child has, and then a plan is developed with the family, um, an individualized education, uh, family education plan. Mm -hmm. So it's similar to an IEP, um, but the difference with early intervention is the letter F in family, um, because the child is within a unit of a family. Okay. Um, the other early childhood program that I'm really excited about in, um, and at Meeting Street to to begin is the Early Head Start program. Um, Meeting Street was just awarded um, funding through the Mass Home Visiting Initiative um, to begin an an early into uh, early Head Start program in New Bedford. Um, this program is for um, pregnant moms um, and or parenting families with children birth to three who are income eligible. So, okay. um, for example, um, you would look at the federal poverty guidelines, so that, for example, might mean a family of four making $24,000 a year. Um, children are also eligible um, if they're receiving um, public assistance through TANF or, um, or SSI. Um, the uh, wonderful thing about the program the program that we're putting in place in New Bedford, though, is we're really focusing on two populations. Um, one is families affected um, by substance abuse and families affected by ch um, either child abuse, neglect, um, or have had interactions with DCF, which you is know, the Department of Children and Families. I was just going to ask that question because we've had so much in the news lately in our area and on this station, on this uh, WBSM as well, about the opioid crisis. Have you seen children who are impacted by um, their mother taking opioids, for example? Um so we are a brand new program. We have not yet started enrolling. Okay. We just put our staff together, and we're really excited about that. Um, hopefully in the next four to six weeks, we will be um, taking applications um, for families. But we know from the uh, uh, work that was done in putting this application together to receive this funding um, that, yes, the opioid um, crisis in, in not just New Bedford, but the country sure. um, is having an impact on on newborn babies. So we want to get these families in, involved um, because we know that providing the appropriate supports and wraparound services is so really let, what's going to be Let me ask success. one question that I don't know the answer sure. to, which I don't like, like to do usually. But if there's somebody listening who has a young child and they're concerned about the young child, about whether there's something wrong with them, can they bring the child to the Schwartz Center for evaluation, or would they start with their doctor or some other agency first? How would that work if somebody's listening today and says, I'm, I'm worried about my child and my son or my daughter. What can I do to get them evaluated? Would they start with you, or would they start with somebody else? So if they're concerned about their child's development, um, families are more than welcome to make a self-referral um, to the early intervention program if it's of a developmental um, nature. Um, you do not need to have a doctor's referral. Some families choose to talk with their doctor mm -hmm. about a delay that they might be seeing um, and, and taking their advice, but it, it's ultimately up to the caregiver to decide whether or not they want to you know, call and make a referral. And, you know, that evaluation, it's non-invasive. It's a, it's a, you know, looks like a series of little games that, that you play with children and, okay. and tells us a lot about about development. Well, I think everybody should really really be concerned about the welfare of their own child. So if you have a problem, uh, Sharon Terrell, how would they reach you? What number would they call to reach you? So the main number at, at, the, at the Schwartz Center is 508-996-2000. Um, 
3391, and then um, they would be transferred to the appropriate program mm -hmm. that could meet the child's needs, whether mm -hmm. it's the school program, the early head start, or the early intervention program. And they could also visit your website for more information, too? Absolutely. Okay. I did want to mention that uh, you had asked whether or not we see some children that are uh, sort of um, impacted by the opioid crisis, yeah. and uh, we do serve quite a few families in our early intervention program okay. um, in the city now. Um, the uh, birth to three years old that um, are have some significant delays because of that crisis. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people, and probably some who are listening today, uh, you know, you've been told not to smoke, not to drink, and certainly not to take drugs while you're pregnant. Uh, it's really very harmful for the child, but sometimes that doesn't always work. Tenny, I know that, um, I'm going to talk for just a second with Attorney Tenny Lance. You've got um, workshops coming up soon where some of these topics might be discussed, where you're going to talk about wills and powers of attorney and Medicaid issues and protecting people's houses and other assets. Um, let me ask you a question, because you've done special needs trust in the past, right? We have, yes. And you're going to be doing these workshops coming up on Saturday, February 11, Thursday, February 16, um, and then also on, uh, well, actually, February 16th is at 2 o'clock and 6 o'clock, or 6.30, same day. right. And if somebody wants to make a reservation, it's going to be at 352 Fonts Corner Road at the office. Uh, how would they reach the office to make a reservation for one of these seminars? Uh, the easiest way probably is to uh, call the office at 508-998-8800. And I do want to remind people that this is a free workshop. It will last about an hour and a half. And it's actually very uh, informative and uh, often very, very fun for people to learn about uh, what is a will and how does it work and what's how is it different from a trust and how can they uh, provide effective beneficiary information for maybe a child or a relative that would have a special need. Uh, one thing I'd like to mention is that in all of our special need, in all of our uh, living trusts, for example, there are special needs provisions so that if a beneficiary is later found out to have special needs after a person has died, uh, and there is not a uh, desire to have that money go directly to the child so they could lose public benefits, then there is a special needs trust provision in all of our documents. And that's really very important. These public benefits are what kids and their families survive on, whether it's uh, financial support for expenses or medical uh, care or whatever. And so we're very proud that our trusts contain these provisions. The other thing, very quickly, is you've done a fair amount of work in the past with something called a special needs trust, so if somebody has, or special needs provisions as well. But there's some very recent changes in the law uh, dealing with this topic, aren't there? Yes, and I'm very excited about this because in the past we have seen people who have special needs of one type or another, who are adults and totally mentally capable but don't have a special needs trust set up for themselves if they inherit money from someone. Uh, we have an example for, exam for example in our community of a lady who's totally mentally capable. She does have physical problems and is confined to a wheelchair. She was a recipient of a um, considerable amount of money from her aunt. If she had received that money directly, it would have interrupted her public benefits. 
So we were able to go through a court system to get a special needs trust established. But lo and behold, on December 16th of last year, President Obama uh, signed a bill that was passed by Congress allowing mentally capable adults to set up their own special needs trust that would allow them to receive these um, beneficial uh, funds without interrupting their benefits. And I think that's a wonderful thing that Congress and the president did. And it's called the Special Needs Trust Fairness Act. You know the interesting thing about this? It was passed unanimously by the United States Senate. How many times does the Senate ever pass anything (laughs) unanimously? So this is important stuff, ladies and gentlemen. And prior to this act, there was another law that went into place um, about a year and a half or so ago called the ABLE Act. That allows people to set aside for themselves up to $14,000 a year in an effective special needs trust without interrupting benefits also. So the country is becoming enlightened about um, all of these needs and possibilities, and I'm thrilled to see it. And I know there's lots of information in general because one of the things that I try to do when we do preparation for the show is to think about what else are we talking about besides the Meeting Street and the Schwartz Center and the legal things and the seminars? And there's the American for Disabilities Act. How many sidewalks have you seen in Dartmouth and New Bedford and so forth that have now been made handicap accessible? And this is not just a waste of money. This allows people who have problems to get around and function better in society. So all this stuff is critically important. Um, Beatrice Oliveira, let me come back to you for just a minute and talk to you about uh, the Schwartz School. Or um, maybe this is a topic for... Um, you know, Teresa to talk about or somebody else to talk about. But you have something called the Schwartz School, and this is a fully functioning licensed school. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. And uh, we have kindergarten all the way to high school, and our students can stay with us until age 22. Okay. And uh, we are a year-round school. We do not close in the summer. Uh, we st- Our typical day starts at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, and it ends at a typical time, t- in- 2.30 in the afternoon. Roughly, what's the size of the population, if you know how many students there are roughly? Uh, In our school in Dartmouth, uh, we're licensed to 56 students. I think uh, there's 42 currently involved. And the students are, um, they have some pretty substantial developmental uh, delays. Um, There's uh, roughly two to one uh, student-teacher ratio. Uh, Sometimes it's one-on-one, depending on um, their special needs. Uh, But uh, overall, our the population that we serve both in Massachusetts and Rhode Island is over 4,000 um, students, uh, 4,000 children. Okay. And Sharon, I want to come back to you, and I'm sorry I called you Teresa for a minute, because okay. when I do this show, I have about 10 piles of paper out in front of me. <laughs> Sometimes it gets a little difficult. Um, do you do education also in what you do? Yes. So the Early Head Start program has a number has, has four different um, uh, goals in which it wants to meet. And one is first to improve maternal um, and prenatal um, health of infants, uh, for prenatal moms, infants, and toddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is to promote optimal development, um, provide parenting skills, provide school, re- make sure children are ready for school. So there's the whole school readiness piece. Um, and then the another piece is, is promoting um, family 
uh, economic self-sufficiency. So while we're focusing on the development of a child, think about it. If, if you're a family that has an insecure economic base, mm -hmm. you've, you're, have, you're, you're in recovery from drug addiction. You need help. Um, you're in poverty, um, but you want to break that, that cycle. Um, you know, a program like this will provide um, these families with a 90-minute visit every week. Um, there's a health coordinator mm -hmm. who will work with that parent to make sure that that child is up to date on their immunizations and their well visits, hearing screenings. We provide vision screenings, regular and ongoing developmental screenings to make sure that, you know, if there are any flags, we can get them to early intervention. We can work closely with their recovery program. Um, we can work closely with, with other agencies that are involved with the family um, in order to, to have the family have those wraparound services and make them comprehensive, not duplicative. Um, and the other thing is we want to reduce um, child maltreatment, um, domestic violence, and, and crime. Somebody who's been abused, for example. Exactly. And we um, see if, that in the news every once in a while. If you're living in a home where there's um, trauma, you know, that infant is also experiencing trauma. I want to mention very quickly, um, uh, Sharon and Beatrice, because I don't think people have a really good understanding about how comprehensive what you do is. So I know you've got the early childhood program, which is uh, newborn to age three, and you do a variety of things there, both in Rhode Island and in uh, yes. Massachusetts. And then you, sh you also treat children who are between three and five years old. You've got an early learning center. You've got the Schwartz School that we just talked about briefly. You've got a South Coast outpatient service that helps. And you've got a regional consulting program. And we'll give you the general categories, and we're going to talk about that. And everybody's got so much to talk about today. And then you've got school age, which is kindergarten through seventh grade. You've got something called the Gray School, the Schwartz School, and again, South, Post, South Coast outpatient and then all the way from eighth grade up to 21 or 22 years of age that you've talked about. And the Carter School, the Schwartz School. I mean, it's amazing the number of programs that you have to handle all needs for all these various ages. So tell us about the Gray School and the Schwartz School just a little bit more. The Grace School is a Providence-based school, and again, it's uh, an integrated uh, school program where there are children with and without special needs. Uh, it's based on a scholarship program. There is a, it's essentially a private school. There is a cost to send your child there, but the majority of the students are actually there on scholarship, uh, which we award. So that's part of the fundraising that we need to do is for those children that cannot afford uh, to, to go to school there. Um, with uh, the... Um, Sharon has worked at uh, Rhode Island campus much more than, than I have, and she can probably expand upon that. Uh, the Schwartz Center in Dartmouth is funded by the local um, cities, uh, municipalities that send their children to our school. Uh, so every child is entitled to an education, right. and the state does pay for that. Uh, but again, I mentioned earlier, our, our rates are adjusted every six years. We're always running behind That's that, amazing. That, curve, uh, that curve of cost provision. You know, Beatrice, I asked you earlier about your budget and the power of the Internet is that you can look it up real quick. 
And I guess it's more than $24 million a year is your budget. That's correct. That's across both campuses. Our um, Dartmouth uh, budget is uh, just under $7 million. Um, sorry I didn't have that ready uh, oh, that's okay. when you asked earlier, but wanted to make sure I got that to you before the end of the show. Oh, no, I appreciate that. And so Dartmouth is around $7 million to operate that uh, campus? That's correct, yes. Well, I want to encourage anybody who's listening, if you really want to do something good for kids, and what else is better in life than doing something to help children? Um, is it possible? Make a donation to the Schwartz Make Short a donation, Center. or is it possible that you need volunteers? We are always in need of volunteers for various things. Um, again, the, the best way to learn about the Schwartz Center is, or Meeting Street in, in uh, Rhode Island. And when I say the Schwartz Center and Meeting Street, we are one organization. We are, we are all Meeting Street. Um, but come to our school and take a tour, meet with me, give me a call. The number is 508-742-6425. I highly encourage it. It is one of my favorite things to do. That's wonderful. Well, we'd very much like to thank uh, both Beatrice Oliveira and Sharon Terralt for being with us. We can never learn enough about the Schwartz Center. Give them a call. Do a tour. Uh, they're happy to see you. We have a wonderful facility in our backyard in our community. And if you'd like to attend one of Tenney's seminars, uh, February 11th, which is a Saturday, or Thursday, February 16th, both afternoon and evening. Tenny, what's the telephone number for them to call us to make a reservation for one of the seminars? Please call us at 508-998-8800. Um, as I said, these are free workshops, but we do ask that uh, you call us and, and make a reservation, just so we'll have an idea of how many people might attend and make sure we have enough seats. The movie actress Emma Thompson, who's very well known, said, being disabled should not mean being disqualified from having access to every aspect of life. So I'd like to leave on that note and do something to help your family, do something to help your children, do something to help the Schwartz Center, get proper guidance for what you do. And thank you again so much for being with us, uh, Sharon Terralt, Beatrice Oliveira, and Attorney Tenny Lance. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Thank you for listening. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen.